Good morning, rock stars! From coast to coast, we give you a toast as you listen to Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. I'm your host, Joe Rutten, director of the Benedictine Leadership Institute at Mount Marty University in Yankton, South Dakota, and I'm joined, as always, by my brothers Rutten. I'm Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. And I'm Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And together we are... The Rutten, Rutten Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Read the script! Oh, I was so excited because we were doing oh, it right. That's great. I was so oh, excited. Man. I was hey, like, can we do it again? Let's do it script. again. Let's do it again. And together we are... Rutten, Rutten Radio. Radio. Oh, that's too funny. That's <laughs> well, <awesome>. brothers, <laughs> how we doing? Oh, life is great. Father yeah, life John? is great. Yeah, what's uh, anything new in your world? Lent like, is an awesome time, ooh, yeah. and it. But I don't know. It's like, why do I get excited awesome? about? <laughs> you must experience Lent different than I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I I think it's always fruitful for me because I just need a reason. I need. It's like Lent is is like the church's um, uh, New Year's Day resolution. And right. it's good because it's a time period. So you actually can get there. Whereas New Year's Day's resolutions, you think your whole life's going to change. Lynch is like, hey, let's just like focus for 40 days on. Uh, so yeah, I love this time of year and right. sort of giving something up and making some space for God and praying more and trying to be more recollected. So nice making space. Father Paul, you making any space for the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trying to make space for the Lord as well. Yeah. Lent is a, it, it is an interesting time. You know, it is unfortunate that we do sort of add things then to our schedule. So here we tell everyone to make room for God. And then we add stations of the cross and then we add, you know, these things and that thing. And uh, so you try to still find some time uh, in the midst of it. Um, I also think a part of the reason that Lent is helpful is it really forces you to realize that you need Jesus. Mm. Um, you know, that you just need Jesus. And so the church says, well, look at your life and realize that you need Jesus. Right. Amen. <laughs> and if brother. you don't think you need Jesus, try giving up something, and then you're going to realize you need Jesus. Mm. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Well, I uh, was, I, I need Jesus. I had a coming to Jesus moment the other day with my boy Leo, and I was sitting there. We were talking, getting ready for First Communion, and he had done his first confession. I was telling him, "Yep, Leo, and you need to. We need to get to one of those first confessions again before to confession again before you have your first communion." And he was like, "Yeah, Dad, uh, how come we haven't gone?" I'm like, "Um, yeah, uh, well, yeah, we should." He was like, "We should schedule it, Dad. We should put it up on your uh, your your calendar on the wall." Really? And I'm like, "Uh oh, like yes, yes, Leo, that is a great idea." So I had a be a better dad moment where yeah. it's like. Thank God Leo's got this thing dialed in because I'm, I'm struggling. So uh, Lent's a great opportunity for me just to reboot, rewind, mm-hmm. kind of just prioritize and put values maybe where they should be. And So, yeah, I love Lent as well. Well, if you're out there listening here to Rutten Radio, to the three-headed monster, uh, we definitely are grateful for your presence, your support, supporting sponsors, all of those types of things. And if you want to follow us and you don't have us, if you're in your car listening and you, you need, you can get us on uh, uh, on the apps, uh, your app store to download Rutten Radio, and you can interact with us on Facebook and other places. So with that, fellas, have I missed anything? Nope. All right. Yeah, what's that box in front of you? Oh, we should, we'll get to that There's later. all kinds of things. See, John, Father John doesn't <laughs> yeah, do yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> see here. Uh, things that uh, are there are listeners like, out there. There's a little gold box here. It says, Happy St. Patty's Day. Uh, that somebody gave me this morning, and so I thought in the second oh. half hour, oh, okay. we could open it up and see what Professor Rutten got for a mm. gift this morning from one of his dear friends. Oh. Sounds good. Can't right. wait. Maybe Rock on, so share. stick around for the second half hour. So with that, in the first half hour, we do our movie of the month. And the movie of the month this month for March is Father Paul. <laughs> the Beauty and the Beast. The Beauty and the the Beast, 2017 edition. I know you are all just shocked right now. You're like the Rutten Brothers are reviewing the Beauty and the Beast. Yep, the we Beauty are. and the Beast, and I can't wait to get into it. But potentially there may be somebody out there that uh, hasn't been on the face of the earth for a while or something. That's like, 
What's the Beauty and the Beast about, Father Paul? <laughs> so Beauty and the Beast is a story about a selfish prince who is cursed to become a monster for the rest of his life unless he learns to fall in love with a beautiful young woman he keeps prisoner. Ooh, Father John, is there any warnings or content uh, notifications needed? Nope. No, nope. mm-hmm. it's basically a cartoon. Basically a cartoon that... Uh, I mean, it's I mean, not a cartoon, cartoon but... Uh, yeah, a few <laughs> things right. that, you know, if you're an adult, you roll your eyes, but... Uh, yep. Overall, yeah, everything's rock good. and roll, you can watch it with your kids. Yep. No language. Maybe, maybe a little scary. There's a couple yep, of scary, scary moments scary scenes. Yep. kids oh, are too I didn't little. even think about that. Oh, yeah, for like Vince, I probably wouldn't... Oh. Vince might not oh, I gotta be game maybe... on the beast part of it. Yeah, so. I got to think like a little kid again. Yeah, think like kid again. Went. All right. Well, initial thoughts. What'd you guys think? Yeah, it's a good story. You know, I, I think for me, the cartoon version is the one that is sort of seared into my memory and Angela Lansbury hmm. as Mrs. Potts. So I was struggled. That was the only part where I struggled. Like, I'm like, it should be Angela Lansbury. Uh, <laughs> and it's not. Um, but yeah, it was good. And then the other thing I, I kind of thought, well, asked myself the question because so in the story, uh, these uh, the people, the servants in the castle, all are turned into objects. And so I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if I was to turn into an object, what object would I be? <laughs> because the objects sort of fit their personality, right. oh, you know. And yeah. so it was kind of like one of those things that you tried to figure hmm. that out. So, so I was gonna immediately. I was like, I'd be a saucer. No, I don't think that's my personality. <laughs> uh, whether I like it or not, I don't know if I'm I figured a I'd be a lazy boy. Oh, yeah, the saucer on the teacup, right? You know, you're a on chip. the bottom. I'd be the oh, chip. Yeah, chip is so the I'd teacup. Be, but anyways, uh, yep. Well, but yeah. Be, so it's good. But I, I mean, I, I yeah, it was a good story. Father John, what'd you think? Yeah, I was really surprised. Very surprised by it. It's uh, you know what it reminds me of is. The reason that fairy tales exist or classical stories exist, because there's certain storylines that are sort of about the human person and they resonate with you no matter what, (laughs) whether they're a kid's book or a grown-up book and you kind of need to receive them over and over again. And so when I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why there's classical kids' books. They teach you virtue (laughs) and what it is to be a human and... Uh, what it is to need grace and how evil impacts different things and our decisions have consequences. And so I was really surprised. Loved it. Fantastic. I love the storyline. And I think for me, a little bit like you were saying, Father John, all of a sudden I like fell in love with the, f- the, the deeper level philosophy of the movie mm-hmm. and kind of just realizing, you know, these old stories are really good. Mm-hmm. Right, that they can be forming people at all different age levels and demographics as you watch it, and kids can sense and understand something that adults maybe can even get a little bit deeper on. I just thought, I wonder if like modern cartoon and storytelling is like this. Nope. Or if I'm just the old curmudgeon that looks back and says, "Nope, it just was in my day." But I'm not so sure that it is this that we're creating anymore in much of our narrative and storytelling. In modern culture. So that was yeah. my initial yeah. insights. As we take a look at themes and, and, and kind of dig into the movie a little bit, one of the first things, obviously, that's at the heart of this whole thing is the principle of love. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Father Paul, tell me, when you look at this principle of love, uh, tell me how it plays out in the movie a little bit and what it kind of evokes or, or gets you thinking sure. about. Right, so the whole reality is is this this prince is this handsome prince, and he really just sort of loves himself more than anything in one sense, um, and he sees himself as the gift to everyone else. Uh, and then <laughs> in comes this kind of old lady who's not beautiful, and um, and she tries to offer him something, and he refuses it. You know, so this real challenge about real love looks beyond the surface. Real love has this ability to give of itself. Real love has this. And at this point, the prince doesn't have it. Um, and so, but what happens then is, is she transforms into this most beautiful creature uh, and he realizes what he has done. Uh, and then she curses him to mm-hmm. look like a beast um, until he can fall in love as well. Right, so until he's transformed in mind and heart, right. he's a beast. Yep. 
and uh, interiorly still himself, right? But as exteriorly to the world, uh, it's maybe his spirit, his soul, his interior life is actually more reflected as the beast right. until he has the interior transformation. <laughs> yep, He's a beast. And I think this ability to be able to, to really understand that love really does go deeper than the surface. Uh, and so when, and in one sense, many people uh, discover or think that they're loved because they're beautiful, because they're talented, because they're mm. athletic. Mm. They think all these things are the reason why they're loved, and maybe they are. Um, and so this woman takes from him uh, the things that he has held on to as his identity so that he could then discover that there is a love that's even deeper oh, it's so in hard. spite of it. So hard. So, I, I just like even thinking in my own life, a couple of times I've had the courage, I think it's courage, <laughs> to actually look inside myself and say, Joe, what if something happened and you are no longer able to communicate through the spoken word? Sure. Mm. Like that's that's what I think is one of my gifts, and it's a passion that I love and it fulfills me. Yeah. Like that's my identity though. Like mm. am, am I really rooted in a deeper love of God and the Father's love for me, or am I just, you know, how at what level am I at? Right. Or do you think people love you? Because you can communicate. And it's the way that I get their love, right? Right. I can do something. I can give my gift, but in some ways we can do that selfishly Mm -hmm. in a way that actually is just getting love, right? I want their attention or their kindness or their affirmation in order for it to feed my love. But that's a selfish uh, uh, exercise of that gift, right? And you mentioned that, Paul, the gift. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and boy, selfishness is so hard. I find myself as the beast more than I do the beauty <laughs> in this mm-hmm. as I was watching the video. So uh, love, Father John, any thoughts on that principle of love that animates this red thread of the movie? Well, the the dynamic that was most clear to me is, uh, and since everybody's watched the movie, I don't want to have to like go in chronological order, but the gift of um, Gaston to the beast uh, you could think that in the end when all of this stuff is going wrong and uh, the battle's happening and is, he's shooting them and uh, all these things, well, in the end, Gaston was really the way that the beast had an opportunity to live differently mm-hmm. uh, because he didn't kill Gaston in that way. Right. And so he got to really act because he was loved by Bell. Because he received, then he was capable and able to live. But his first problem in the beginning wasn't that he couldn't love or wouldn't love. It's that he wouldn't allow himself to be loved or he didn't have someone to love him. And we know the possibilities there are endless of what this real story was. But it's not just that, oh, he didn't love. So no, like the story is when we're loved, then we we are generated and capable of loving another and living sacrificially for another in such a way. Uh, right. And so if, if I recall correctly, he's in the place he is because of an experience he had, right? Isn't it, uh, what is it that has steeled him or hardened his heart? Well, his mom died. And so um, is this as well. The and thing? then like, he ended up with a stepmother, you know, the whole classic storyline. You know, so again, this real, I think, tragedy strikes. Right. You know, and so again, when you lose the source of that, which maybe was real love, and now you you don't get it, then you turn to the things that get the attention. Right. And we do this in our own Mm -hmm. lives in small ways or maybe larger ways uh, that experience happens to us. And sometimes it's tragic in some degree or another. and. And I find that our response to that tragedy, does the sorrow and the, the, the suffering like purify us and make us stronger, like steel forged? Or is it like wood where the fire consumes us and turns us to ash? And that's, you know, sometimes it seems it consumes people. Other times it seems mm-hmm. like it makes them stronger. And at the heart of the whole thing is this principle of God's love. And whether or not I'm capable, Tom Lorang uh, always tells me, Joe, seek God's love. And then Bishop DeGroote shows up, right? And Bishop DeGroote is constantly saying, talking about God's love, mm-hmm. right? And every once in a while, I'll see him and he'll say, Joe, you know God loves you. God loves you so much. And it like 
mm, it makes me a little uncomfortable sometimes because I think I do struggle with that uh, because I'm wrestling with my own beast, mm-hmm. right? My own brokenness, my own tragedy. But we know that love frees us, right? Love frees us. As we look at this concept of love and freedom, talk to me a little bit about the relationship here about the beast's ability to grow in love and his recognition of freedom in the relationship that it has to play in his ability to love Belle. Well, there was the one particular part where she's in the castle. And interestingly enough, he's been in this castle when it looked differently. So now he can't stand the place. And she's like, well, I can live here. And he and the beast is like, how could anybody live in this place? And and she just responds in, in that um, where she says, uh, you know, how can anybody be happy in this ca- at this castle? And she doesn't respond about the castle. She responds and says, how can anybody be happy if they aren't free? Mm. Right. <laughs> and so the beast is sort of stuck in his circumstances. And Belle is aware that the thing that my heart most desires is something that occurs inside of me because I am free. Uh, and so that was... Uh, the necessity of freedom in order to, to, to love. Just quickly off the top of your head for a practical experience for somebody out there, what oftentimes do you think are the things that bind us, that keep us from being free? Maybe in your own life or in, like, because we in some ways are in our own castle, right? And it's not always lit up and great. I mean, sometimes we're, the castle is our soul and we're bound. We're, we're, we're the beast, if you will. Um, for instance, fear, I guess, is an example. Like I have a fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And so it turns me into a workaholic. And it also leans me toward hiding. I don't want people to see the cracks or the fissures because Lord knows we don't want to communicate imperfection. Like these types of practical examples, I find are good to reflect on during Lent. At this idea of saying, all right, I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, I'm broken. Uh, but the ability to bring those to the light. And then that's what happens toward, as the movie goes on toward the end, right? Is as love becomes present, it like transforms the interior of the castle and mm-hmm. light returns. And mm-hmm. it was beautiful. Father Paul, when you look at this stubbornness to change mm-hmm. that the beast is wrestling with, uh, share with me a little bit about that, that, that idea of stubbornness, maybe with your own life or your reflection upon the movie and the beast, uh, change isn't always easy. Sounds good, but yeah, I mean, I think it it is one of these things that it's evident the beast has lived this way for so long, uh, that he doesn't really know. And Belle is stubborn as well. You know, Belle's too kind of, you know, they butt heads, you know, and they're just kind of wanting it their way. And there is, I think, sort of in life. I, I would say maybe a fear where you maybe felt like you gave something or you, you conceded and, and it was bad for you. Like they took advantage of you. Um, and, and so you're unwilling to do that mm. again because, you know, it's this every time in every movie, you know, so he's, he doesn't kill Gaston and then Gaston shoots him. Mm-hmm. And all the time I'm like, don't be nice to this guy because he's going <laughs> to shoot you. Like they always shoot you. So don't do that. That's not good. <laughs> right. So there's this, I think sometimes in our life, people do that to us. We treat people with compassion and they stab us in the back. Mm -hmm. So then we just say, well, I ain't going to do that again. Uh, And we kind of, well, I want someone else to give. I feel like I always give. And I feel like I'm always the one uh, in that. Um, And so I think you just see it just naturally. uh, And then they just sort of slowly warm up to each other. Right. That, uh, That hardness of heart can develop over time in small little ways that I don't even know that I always realize it. And then it's like, wait a minute, why am I like this? And when you reflect, you're like, well, oftentimes it's because I've had an experience that mm-hmm. is kind of sharp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to look at it. Father John, what do you think? What do you got uh, as we kind of, if you're out there listening, we're in the first half hour here of Rutten Radio in our uh, movie of the month series. And we've got about five minutes left as we yeah, well, get one ready of the to go to break. Points, I guess, that really struck me about uh, there was um, the way that her Bell's desire was indicating something all of us want. Like how how it was it, it was 
experience like I wanted to be a little boy again. You know, it's like I want adventure in the great wide somewhere, you know, the great wide somewhere, you know. So this this dynamic of the human person that wants mm-hmm. something they can't articulate, they can't quite grasp, but it's no. out there. I know mm-hmm. it's out there. Uh, and I want, you know, and then she says, I want it more than I can tell. Uh, it might be grand. It might be grand to um, uh, some. Uh, I don't remember exactly how she said that, but I want so much more than they've got planned. Mm. I'm like, well, that's like everybody's experience. Um, this this is the dynamic that the Christian calls the religious sense. This this part of us that's always longing for more. Mm. This part of us that's never satiated. Further, higher. Further, higher, further, right, higher, right. Uh, and that if that isn't awake, then we end up uh, sort of losing what it is that Christ really came to answer, and losing sort of the fullness of what we're here. Is Christ came to awaken us to this great desire that we have as human beings? So I loved that part when she, and that was before even you know she hadn't even gone out yet, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh wait till you see what happens. And this is what's difficult is sometimes then our ideas are different than what reality happens. So she got what she wanted, but boy, for a while it was a little precarious. <laughs> right, right, right. There's a theme within it that. Um, Selfishness, right? This is constant balance between selfishness, stubbornness, love, freedom. Um, the idea that that he's transformed through an act of service uh, and an act of love to Belle as she escapes, right? And uh, what role does uh, does encountering Christ and being transformed in mind and heart play? How, do, how does that happen? Is it through, like when we say, all right, serve others and, you know, you experience a transformation. I'm trying to figure out this idea of Christian service, of human service to others, and how that can play into the transformative experiences that we can have through human encounters. It seems to me that his transformation happened most when he was active in serving, protecting. Um, thoughts on that? I think, in a sense, it's the moment you realize that you can't possess something you love. It has to always have freedom attached to it. And so it was that moment when he even seemed shocked that he let Belle go. Um, and he was willing to let her go, and everyone was surprised by it. Um, and I think even he was surprised. But he saw in her, though, a love for her father, mm-hmm. and he realized that there was another love there too. And and so who was he to keep her from love? Uh, and, and so this real dynamic uh, in the midst of it that um, we all have to— I mean, again, you have to give uh, freedom to— for love. Like there can't be, you can't force love. Right. I love that regeneration that you just speak of there, that it's the, the love that she expresses for her father that awakens within him, the recognition, and then ultimately the, the grace to lean in and, and give that space, that love, that freedom uh, mm-hmm. to Belle, to allow her to go. And and everybody else like the you know the the cups and the candles everybody's shocked right, right. like what what you did what you let her g-? you know and I right. think well I wonder if people like how I think that way about others you know or like my alcohol right like you know I got uh, you know addiction issues right and it's like sometimes I feel like that I'm almost surprised I was able to let it go like what happened that there was this space for grace that. That God seems to be present in my life and, and his love recognized that I, w- I was able to let this go. I thought the other day, I was like, man, I used to sit on a lot of bar stools. I mean, that was the place I couldn't let go. That was my bell. Mm. Right? I don't want to let go of that. That's mm. that's my meaning. That's my identity. That's the place I Those are my fellas. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't let go. I knew in the addiction I couldn't let go. But yet at some point, that space of encounter happened where I could just like 
put my toe in the door and say, all right, Lord, I'm, I give up. Right. Just like he did. And he gave bell up Mm -hmm. and then boom, that's where the real transformation for human living seems to, at least in my life have happened. So I think it happens in our own lives, right? In small ways that we have these types of encounters where maybe during Lent, it's an opportunity for us not just to give up candy or coffee for the sake of giving up candy and coffee, but what kind of are we holding on to that we don't want to let go of? That's the place that the Lord seems in my life to really want to love me and come in and say, here's some grace. Let me help. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a minute here as we come to a close. We've got uh, final comments or thoughts. Yeah, I think probably the 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 quintessential song scene from the movie is Be Our Guest. Uh, you know, so where they're feeding her a meal um, and just they're, they're dancing and they're happy and they're, they're, they're in that, that moment of, of being able to, to serve. And I think in that, again, the real power of having meals with people and sitting down with people and breaking bread with people as they talk about, like Christ ate with so many people. Mm, um, right. But again, the idea of a guest, you know, so when we serve at the banquet, they're not, they're, they're guests, like they're our guest. Um, and so how do we look at other people uh, in our own life? That's great. Father John? Yeah, when someone, the importance of recognizing the person that comes from outside of us and all of the life that is generated by all of them is because uh, Bell comes as a guest. Right. And are we open to somebody coming among us that then can generate among us that work, that companionship? That I mean, they all came alive because they were open to the other person. And sometimes we're all closed in in such a way that we don't want the new person in, but the new person in is actually the person we need. We'll bring that back in the second half hour of Faith and Culture as you're listening to Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network. Don't go anywhere as we take a quick break. And we're back with Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network, your local and regional and global Catholic media network for all things awesome, including... The three-headed monster of Rutten Radio. You can catch us on Facebook, interact with us, or download Rutten Radio podcast on your apps. With that, fellas, Father John, Father Paul, why don't we start off the second half hour here with a little shout-outs. Got anybody you want to holler at and give a shout-out to? Yeah, I would give a shout-out to Jeremy Smith. Uh, Jeremy is somebody I met when I was chaplain at SDSU and he often sends me messages after our show, thanking us uh, for different things, sometimes asking questions, uh, those kinds of things. So shout out to Jeremy. Great. Uh, I would give a shout out to, um, Sue Ryder. Oh, remember Sue? Yes. Yeah. Sue, give a great shout out to Sue Ryder. She comes, uh, to the parish every weekend to, to receive communion. She watches at home and then she comes and receives communion at the parish and she always brings me a coffee. Oh, uh, she just, oh, she great. always thinking about the other person. And uh, last uh, week she brought me a missile stand <laughs> and out the car window. She hands me a missile stand and I'm like, Oh, I guess I needed a missile stand. <laughs> she found somewhere. I don't know. Wow. So Sue Ryder, uh, shout out to you and uh, shout out to Isaac Flynn, uh, praying for you, brother. Yeah. So there's outstanding. Well, I'll get, I got a few. I got Jesse Schmidt at the Better Business Bureau, and uh, she's just awesome. I had a great conversation with her the other day. And Mamrie Coney, who every time I see Mamrie, just inspires me to like be grateful for what I have and to realize Jesus Christ is at the center of this whole thing and to consider how I live my life. Mamrie, you're awesome. Mark Long, my president, my boss at Mount Marty, like, universities and college, higher education, boy, it's a tough, tough job they got going on here with COVID and everything else and saw him the other day and I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to give a shout out to Mark Long. Grateful to work with somebody that's just such a wonderful human being. And then Mike Neiman. Mike uh, works for the energy, one of the energy uh, companies. And so here a few weeks back, we had complete chaos with the weather and trying to keep power on for people and all that. And I'm like, oh yeah, people actually work for, mm-hmm. this is their job. They're and it only matters until it doesn't work. Right. And so Mike Neiman, shout out to you and all the people in the energy business. And then last, but certainly not least, what is the package in front 
of we me. We have been waiting. I have a beautifully wrapped gold gift that has a happy St. Patty's Day on it from an unknown family. Uh, yeah. I'll be nice to them. And they showed up this morning and said, Joe, we got a gift for you. I just We were thinking about you and uh, I just uh, wanted to let you know that we care for you, I guess. And they got me. What? If you are not oh. an actual, real deal jersey. Notre Dame football jersey. No wonder he wow. wanted to bring it here. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I, I, even COVID, I was like, you're giving me a hug. I don't care, you know, COVID <laughs> or not. So, isn't that totally awesome? Wow. That was well, very how kind you, what of did them. You do? Well, you know what? You just realize people are wonderful and people want it. People, it's not the gift, it's the thought, right? Like, right. I had a conversation with them at the park with our boys, and we just had a great conversation about football and about Notre Dame. And, right. and two months later, three months later, he blesses me with this, right? And it's just that sign of God's presence. And it's it's just is such a wonderful thing to see uh, just good community. And sure. Sure, certainly the gift is great. Uh, so anyway. I'm glad the topic we have is vanity. Oh. <laughs> so I think to help yeah. Joe in his vanity, yeah. he should let well, someone else yeah. wear the jersey. We should move on from the shout-outs to Quiz Bowl. <laughs> oh, oh, no, oh, Stump wait, a Priest. Wait, wait, you guys wait, are wait. like, we don't like Stump a Priest. Don't stump. So I thought, all right, how about Quiz Bowl? And it's not quite Stump a Priest. And it will be for the wonderful, wonderful month of March as we celebrate St. Patty's Day. We've got a St. Patty's Day Quiz Bowl for you fellas, all right? <laughs> So all your Irish parishioners out there, listen up whether or not your Irish priests know what they're talking about when it comes to Aaron Gobra. First, this city dyes its river green to celebrate. Dublin. Chicago. Chicago! Oh! oh, You live there! I know. You live there and you even know. I was even there for the big day. All for one for Father John, one for one for Paul. All right. What does Aaron Gobra translate as? Go get him. <laughs> God bless. God bless Ireland forever. Oh, Ireland really? forever. Aaron Gobra. What city had the first St. Patty's Day? So Ireland equals Aaron? Ireland, Aaron Gobra, Ireland forever. Aaron is Ireland. Okay. Interesting. So all those people named Aaron. Or Ireland. Ireland. Ooh, uh, wow. wow. Unbelievable. 30s, 43 years old. So crazy. What city first held? What city held the first St. Patty's Day parade? New, New York. York. Boston. Shoot. 1737, <laughs> Boston. And finally, thank God. How many presidents claim Irish One. ancestry? They all should. 19, including George Washington. <laughs> what? Isn't that crazy? George Washington claims Irish ancestry. Who would have known? Sorry, parishioners. I wow. love it. I love it. Well, we failed you uh, to our Irish uh, ancestors out there, to our mother who is looking down on us. Uh, Very we'll disappointed. Sharp, we'll sharp, and our we'll sharp, Aunt Annie who has turned Annie, the radio yeah, off already. Yeah, Aunt Annie, we apologize. Like <laughs> all of our Donnelly cousins up in the cities and around the nation – uh, we'll we'll get better at that quiz bowl. So, all right, scapular and rosary check, Father John. I yep. know you got your scapular. Right? <laughs> yeah, right, Father oh, Paul, you got yours every time. Every, every time. Every time. Okay. Yep, two for two. Oh, nice. Boy. Well, Father Paul's got a great rosary case. Yeah. Do you do you pray it walking around the St. Mary neighborhood? When I'm walking around the neighborhood, right? When right. it's not twenty below zero. Man, is it brutal? Brutal, brutal, brutal. All right. Well, how about you, Joe? <laughs> um, how are you let's doing? Let's move on to vanity. How are we doing? Over uh, oh, two. I, oh, yeah. I don't think my, you were so worried about that jersey. Vanity. So anyway, moving on, fellas. I uh, actually had my scab on this morning, and I just wore it over my neck because I was like, "Oh, I got to bring it up at Ra- Rutten Radio." So I just threw it on over my neck. And then I ended up taking it off. <laughs> anyway, let's have a little conversation here about um, vanity. So in the second half hour, we kind of talk faith and culture a little bit. So this could go a couple of different directions. But kind of bridging out from the movie, uh, which of 
by the way, we should give a rating to uh, as we look at how we are, develop our rating system. We've decided that the Rutten Radio rating system for movies is going to be based on the three heads. So whether or not you give a Rutten uh, 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 mug head to the uh, movie or not is whether or not you think it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. If you don't want to give the give it, then you don't. But yeah, I so give it go a on thumbs Facebook. Up. And where the movie is posted, go into the comment box and put one, two, or three heads. There you go. Tell us what you think. Now, right, we're, right. we're going to rate it, right? Right. I give it. Do each of us give it one of three heads or do each of oh, us give, give it, it one three. head I, to equal three? I think we got to give it three heads because otherwise we wouldn't have the ability to, to rate if, it. But if each of us give it three heads, then, then you end nine. up with nine heads instead of three heads. <laughs> Oh, I thought the rating system Father was Paul's one, like, two, three. Is, this is like crazy, you guys. We're live. What are you doing? Like, aren't we supposed to? No, we're not supposed to have this all figured out. That's part of life. So no. what are we going to do? I think we should do three. <laughs> okay. Three each or one each so that it equals three. I think Father Paul should decide. <laughs> no. We already decided or, that there's no uh, overturning. Uh, it's got to be three heads. Or you could average our threes. Oh, there you go. So, like, if you give it a two and a half, and then Ooh. you give it a two and a half, <laughs> you could do that, too. Cut the head in half. Give it a... Uh, so I'm going to give it two and a half, then. <laughs> two, and a half, two and a half heads. Okay. I'm going to... Um, yep. Two and a half heads. Two and a half. Nice. Yep. I'm going to give it two. Okay. Oh. So, it gets two and a quarter or so. So, we get six <laughs> Averages and a, out. Six. We get seven. <laughs> seven <laughs> and a quarter. No, not seven and a quarter. No, All right. It's, I think oh, that our listeners out there are like, oh, what God. is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Paul is laughing. Oh. Paul, he's just like, oh, my. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. So you're seven right. and a quarter. I, yep. About. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. Oh, this is too on. much fun. Oh, vanity, vanity. I would like to kick us off with a conversation from Beauty and the Beast. Really, vanity is one of the things that you can see prevalent within in the prince's uh, beginning where, you know, lavish living and huge palaces and everybody serves him and he's at the center of attention. And it kind of reminded me of a letter by Justin Martyr that Justin Martyr in the early centuries of the church was really bridging Greek philosophy with uh, Christian theology. And he tells this story of Greek mythology about Xenophon and Hercules, that Hercules comes to a crossroads where lady virtue and lady vice appear before him. And he describes lady vice as luxury, beautiful, and lady virtue is dressed in rags. So it's opposite, right? That the vice looks good. But he goes on to say, he says, but the substance of lady virtue leaves one absent. It's hollow. It doesn't satiate or satisfy. Whereas lady vice in appearance is dressed as rags, but underneath in disguise is true beauty. Those that follow lady virtue become encounter this thing that makes them fearless in the face of death. And I thought, wow, that's a powerful image to ask, what path am I on? How am I living during Lent? Right? And so you guys joke about my jersey and it's like, well, no, that actually has to be, I have to go home or right now, I have to wrestle with that, right? Like, is this a material possession that I get honor from? And is that honor have substance and depth? Is this in a relationship? Could this be something that actually lacks health and, and, and virtue and substance for me? Or is this just an expression of a deepening relationship? Uh, let's talk a little bit about this idea of virtue and vice as we reflect for the second half hour here during Lent. Father Paul, virtue and vice. Okay, Father John. That was yeah. Awesome. I think uh, <laughs> proper definition of understanding vanity 
being an inordinate desire to manifest one's own excellence. Okay, so we can oftentimes say that that again. uh, An inordinate desire. Okay, so it's about a desire to manifest one's own excellence. Mm. So pride is an uncontrolled desire for self-esteem. Okay, in that vanity primarily seeks to show others what a person has or has achieved. Does that make sense? So as a, right. a prideful person is like, oh, I'm so great. A vain person is wants to show look everybody, at me look at me. And how great. Yep. And <laughs> right. so I think that's a helpful dynamic because it it gets away from just being about appearances. But oftentimes that's the way we think about it because that's often, but it can be accomplishments. It can be other things that right. uh, we're wanting other people uh, to see. Don't you see I'm great? Right, uh, so maybe in Scripture might this be why Scripture tells us to pray in secret or to clean ourselves mm. up. That maybe even prayer, the act itself, could be a vain act depending upon the motive. Sure. Yeah, like, so, example, and it, I don't think she's still even alive now, but I used to bring communion to a lady who was always praying the rosary when I came, but not by accident. She wanted mm. to be seen praying the rosary because one day I showed up unannounced and there was no rosary anywhere. She wasn't ready. Like all of those things. And you could see she was flustered by it because she couldn't have this thing to show me Mm, like, you know, like she needed it. But in a sense, it was a gift for her because she could realize that our conversation was still the same. My reaction to her was still the same. I didn't think any less of her because she wasn't praying the rosary. The moment I came through the door, those kinds of things. So it can be, you know, um, that that idea that we we sort of want somebody to see all of our all of our things, right? And that can be a part of that trap, that trap, that lack of freedom that we spoke about in the first half hour, right? That uh, that allows us not to receive the love of sure. God and of others mm-hmm. in a healthy way because we're trapped in by this box that says I have to perform or act in a certain way. In order for the other to to did you have that conversation with her to some degree or no. how did you come to that no. real, just personal realization of where yeah. that person was at? Yeah, because it was I mean it was one of those things where it was very evident that right. she wanted that this was you know and again we all have them right you know and so how how do we allow ourselves to to be seen when we don't have everything the way we want it to um, or if we get something new so this would be the thing. Like, can you wear that jersey and not say anything? Hmm. Like, can you be okay just wearing it? Right. Or do you just have to let everybody know? Right. Like, right. you know, I, I just have to let you know this. Like, I got to tell everybody. So well, I got to zip how, my mouth. <laughs> how about you wait till someone asks you about the jersey? Right. Yeah. Right. You know, and, yeah. and those kinds of things. Like, am I willing to just let, maybe they ask, maybe they don't. Right. Right. Um, because it's a gift, right. you know? And so- and it's not a gift necessarily given so that I can go brag to everybody about right. how wonderful I am, that people love me and look at mm-hmm. what they get me and whatever, you know, you get down the rabbit hole right. further along. And uh, that's really, really, that's a, that's a good reflection. See, this is like that depths, right? That there's certain levels that we can live at in our mind and in our heart right. that maybe not even everybody else around us knows going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? These internal yeah. conversations, sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not so good. And I think of- this is probably the one of the the real dangers of our social media is we really fall into that trap then of everything has to be out there. Oh, like I have to present everything right. that's good that you know every you know and and it's like well do I have to do I have to put everything on social media? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just easy to do. Um, well, I, I'm just sharing. You know, people want to see. Like, but I have to really look within and say. You know, well, what if nobody comments on it? Right. Yeah, the uh, the whole experience brings up the pain of having van- vanity vanquished from you. You know, <laughs> uh, a, a vain person experiences a pain when it's sort of poked. <laughs> um, and when I was in, and then, and then the way that this is transformed is through real experiences. It doesn't change just by you praying. It changes by you praying and then real things happen. And then, and then, and then you get opportunities to live differently. Just like Gaston, you get new opportunities to say something different or to live in a different way or to not promote the jersey 
or, you know, uh, I was at seminary my first year and I was asked to help with the choir at, at the, at the time for, uh, Easter, Triduum and Easter. I mean, tons of work. You cannot imagine how much work went into this, you know, I was like, I was new, like I can chant and I know how to sing. And I was all, you know, and all the brothers are around and, you know, you got a hundred guys in the seminary. And at the end of it, we put in all this work, did all these things. And at the Easter vigil, right after it was over, uh, Father Mosley uh, thanked uh, everybody for all the work they did and then went down the list. And then he thanked the organist. And then he thanked the two other guys. <laughs> but not you. And not me. Ouch. How did that go? And we're in the back, so people couldn't see me. Ooh. And how many times, you know, so right. if we were up front, well, then I could at least say, well, you know, I could still live out of like, well, they know, no, I was in the back. So nobody knew what was really going on. And then there's, you know, that part, like, uh, and there was a beautiful grace. It was like, did you do this for Jesus? Mm. Or did you do this for someone else? And I just had a beautiful gift to receive it. I, it was not of my effort. I was like, I just have to let this be because I did love to sing. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is it's inordinate. It's not that your desire isn't good. It's not that you squash it. It's an inordinate desire uh, that is manifesting itself that other people might know something that you have excellence. You do have that excellence. Mm -hmm. It is good. So uh, there can be a warped attempt to try and bring it back into correction. But the, the truth of the matter is, is how do you live out the gift that you are and just let it be the gift? Right. Yeah. The uh, transformation of the mind in a way that it orders your desires is something that, you know, I'm continuing to pray for. I continue to ask for. I just think that like so much of it is in my mind and it begins as thoughts. And what often I experience that happens is, is the desire comes up with the experience and the encounter for good or for bad. And then I can either let the desire um, take the reins or I can, in my mind and my will, have the courage with God's grace to take the reins. And that if my mind and will with God's grace takes the reins, that the desire is purified and ordered. But if I just let the desire go, oh, good luck, folks. I'm Gaston, <laughs> right? Like, I'm the beast, and I'll scream, holler, yell, you know, not, I don't have anger as a deep thing within me, but other emo other desires. And I just find that that, for me, is the real place of purity, and it happens most when I'm tired, hungry, mm -hmm. um, when I'm with my the people I love the most, mm. my wife and my children. Like, I'm wonderful to everybody else most of the time. The people I struggle to love the most are the ones that I'm closest to. Mm. It's like, gosh, how come these are my children? You know, but mm -hmm. you're just like, ah. And then it's like, do I encounter a space right there where I can stop, take a deep breath and become aware and ask for God's presence to come and be, be there and help me to transform and renew my mind and soften my heart so that I'm more like the transformed prince than the stubborn, <laughs> selfish a beast that uh, seems like it's an interior battle a lot more than it is exterior circumstances. Well, our listeners Paul, out there. Got? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was just going to say, I think it's the exterior that, that reveals to us the interior. So it is the moment when we're forgotten that it reveals within us what our real desire or what our real motive was in this thing. Um, you know, and, and so I think that's the challenge. Like the exterior action or inaction reveals where we're at inside. And then we, like you say, you have to pray for a grace and sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. And, you know, how do I become aware of it? And so uh, am I aware of the pattern maybe that I have, um, you know, mm. because it can be other things. I mean, it can be all kinds of like, yeah, you just always, you know, I always have to have something to say you know, or a story that's better than someone else's story or right. an experience, you know, like, and becoming aware of it first and foremost, can I be aware of what is my vanity? Mm. What is the area that, that I struggle uh, in? And often it would be, you know, not known because we're usually blind to it until right. 
we find ourselves. And it's always easy to see it in everybody else, though. Sure. <laughs> you know, I remember being in seminary and having a good friend that we always went to the movie he wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. And I just got fed up with it. I'm like, no, no, no. You know, five people around or whatever, and I cause a hissy fit. And I'm just like, no, we're not going. No, I'm not going. <laughs> you know, and I had my own plank there. But later on, it was an awakening for him where he came to realize that he had something going on that he mm-hmm. had to wrestle with, right? And in friendship, I was capable of being honest with him and saying, how come we always do what you want? How come nobody else? It's like everything right. revolves around you. It's kind of like Gaston, right? Like everything revolved. And mm-hmm. then eventually it just, re, he got reordered, right? Mm-hmm. In relationship. And so when we look at uh, that, those patterns that it's easy to find them in others, but uh, maybe that right. introspection I, of looking for them in I ourselves. Think is, where this plays out then would be, you know, every year we read the gospel for Ash Wednesday, which says don't, do all these things to be seen. And we sometimes associate that with it. Well, don't do them. And it's this real thing. You say, well, no, you should do them, but make sure that the reason you're doing them isn't to be seen. Right. Right. And and that's the tricky part. You know, so people will say, well, Jesus said not to, you know, to do these things. No, he didn't say that. He said, don't do them so that. Right. Like, how do I, and then again, so then how do I do that? Um, there's a great opportunity for that at the banquet this year is the soup kitchen for the city of Sioux Falls. And it's a very popular, as we know, we go down there and serve and you go to lots of parishes, lots of groups go down there and serve. Well, this year, because of COVID, you can't do the inside seating with right. the people. And so now they just really need your help. Right. The banquet needs your help, but there's nothing <laughs> fun in it anymore. There's nothing like that. And it's like, wow, what if this is a beautiful way for us to really live the gospel uh, to say, yeah, yeah, do this. You won't be seen. Not because we're getting anything out of it. Yeah. Right. You're going to get right. not much out of it, but you're, you're needed. Well, fellas, we're wrapping up. That was a quick half hour. Uh, thanks for joining us to our listeners out there. You can catch all of our previous podcast monthly radio shows uh, through our app. And we'd love to interact with you on Facebook. And fellas, you got any final thoughts or comments? Uh, we can jump in and we'll close with our family prayer. Make sure you watch next month's movie of the month. And that is? The Passion of the Christ. The Passion of the Christ. Father Paul? I'm, I think that's probably enough. <laughs> all righty. Well, we'd like to close with the family prayer. If you'd all like to join us, please feel free. And Father Paul, if you'd begin us with, uh, uh, I'll begin with a prayer. If you'd just close us with a priestly blessing, that'd be great. Okay. In the name of the Father, Amen. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Our Father, we thank you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state and life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. The Lord be with you and with with your your spirit. spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next month right here at Rutten Radio on the Real Presence Network.